righty. All right, let's turn to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Now, last chapter of this book, it's amazing, five studies left. We're almost done for the year. This is nuts. Time is flying by so fast. It's crazy. Title tonight, The Response to Grace, Our Duties as Christian Men. If you remember the last time we were in study, we talked about the purpose for Jesus. I'm going to read verses 11 through chapter 3, verse 2. So we get the whole picture here. But of course, Paul kind of switches gears. He's, he's going back to the instructions. Uh, he was talking about the things that God had done in Christ, kind of in a way of encouraging Titus and the others there because he's, it's such a hard-hitting book when we talk about uh, this idea as you guys, elders, leaders in training, that you're to be blameless and all those the saints, man, Lord. But of course, we know that... Uh, None of that happens without the grace of God, and His grace is there for every trial, every situation, every failure, every victory. And of course, like we heard last week, none of this is about working for salvation. All of this is a result of salvation. And even tonight, when we talk about these seven things, these duties that we're to be doing, this is the response that is appropriate when we think of the grace of God and what God did in sending his son Jesus. So, verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing, maybe even tonight, of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That was a little added part there. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, thank you, Jesus, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable Gentle, showing all humility to all men. So, the challenge tonight, of course, we see these seven duties. Again, remember, this is the response. These are things, by doing these things, you do not earn your salvation. Your salvation is always already there. These are things that we are to endeavor to do in response to what Jesus did for us. And really, what this, it's the least that we can do in regards to what Christ gave us in coming, in the grace that was extended to me and you. Without his grace, what are we? Who are we? Where are we? What do we got? Nothing. For by grace you have been saved, not of yourself, not of works, lest any man boast. It is the gift of God. So Paul is switching back to the instruction correction, really the pattern of good works that, that Paul had told Titus to, to be that example to others. And really, it all speaks to the witness, guys. Here, Christ has come into our lives. Christ has changed us. Christ has redeemed us, made us new men. And we're to continue walking in this ways. And, and remember this thing we call sanctification, this, this change that God has made in your life. This is a process. We're positionally sanctified by the blood of Jesus. When we're saved, man, we are holy, blameless, beyond reproach. But this Christian walk, this life of sanctification, of, of this desire to to actually um, not be sinless, 
because we'll never be sinless but to sin less. Understanding that sometimes we do really good and sometimes we do really bad. And God's love for us doesn't change when we do really good and it doesn't change when we do really bad. This is all a desire, though, for us to be a witness to the world, to the fellow believers, to, to, the, to everybody, man, representing Jesus. And this is a proper response to grace, of course. The only response to endeavor to walk properly before this world representing Jesus. So Paul tells Titus, remind them, and this word remind means to really to keep on reminding them. Not just do it once, but it's something that we're to keep on reminding. And we remember who Titus is talking to. Who's he talking to? These people on the island of Crete. And what does verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 say? The Cretans were liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. That's none of us, though, right? But imagine, man, what a tough group to, to go over and minister to. Not like every single person on the island was that, but I mean, that's Cretans. They even said it about themselves, proud of it. Man, he remind, tells them to remind, remember. And, and of course, in this idea, um, we, have to, we, we have to remember, this applies to us. We need these reminders all the time. We need to remind it every day. We need to be put back on track. Yes, we've been changed. Yes, we're different. But guess what, guys? Anybody still prone to wander? I mean, how long did it take the children of Israel to turn on Moses and God? 40 days. 40 days, and he'd already built the calf, worshiping, partying down there. I mean, that's bad. They didn't think of, I mean, of course, we're bad, but that's, I mean, think of all the things they saw God do in 40 days, they turned. Now, if, if you and I quit reading God's word, now, maybe some of you don't even read the word, which every man, every day, you can't be. But think about how quickly your life would change. I mean, I have a hard enough time keeping it together, and I'm in the Word every single day. We need to be reminded, you guys, constantly. And God's Word is beautiful at correcting, challenging, getting us back in line, realigning us spiritually. And, of course, that's the, the importance of, of us being in God's Word every day, you guys. And I keep harping on it, and I'm going to harp on that till the day I die. If you're not reading God's word every day, you are missing out on so much blessing for what God has for you. For when God speaks, I'm going to tell you what, when you open up God's word and there's a life situation going on and his word speaks directly to that situation and your mind is blown, you're hooked. Because you know that it's real and you know God is speaking to you in his word. So all you guys out there that are kind of still dabbling in it, no. Pick up that bookmark, get disciplined and be in God's word every day. Oh. You'll love it. But the word puts us back on track. And of course, that was Paul and Peter's admonition in their letters as well. What did Peter say? Hey, I got no problem reminding you guys. Same with Paul. I got no problem reminding you guys. So our passage tonight, seven things that we should be doing, our duties in response to this amazing grace. Number one, be submissive. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities principalities and powers, other translations say. And it's interesting, those, those two words, principalities and powers, is the same words that Paul uses when speaking of the demonic forces that are going on when he talks to us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, I think it is 11. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of the present age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavy places. 
Isn't it kind of interesting he uses those two words when he's talking about rulers and authority? <laughs> I, for me, I just kind of pick up on that because, yeah, we know they're all from the devil anyhow. And this speaks of the secular government, of course. The government that was taking place then and the government that is in place now. What does it say here, guys? Be subject to rulers and authorities. Now, for some of us, that's a hard pill to swallow, huh? Because ain't no way in the world these knuckleheads they put in office, oh my gosh. And yet we need to swallow that pill nonetheless from the city, state, and national level. Man. Kind of like one of those ones that just kind of twist your head off. But turn with me to Romans chapter 13, and we're going to go a little deeper with this because it's serious. And when you think about Paul writing this to the book in the book of Romans and what, who was in place, who was in power, and we're talking about some of the most wicked men in history. Think about Caesar Nero who would take Christians and he would put them on a stake, tar them, and burn them alive in his garden, riding on his chariot through his garden, screaming madly. That's, that's who he's talking about here. So Romans chapter 13, of course, we all need to know this passage of Scripture because this is going to help you. It's going to help me as well. Being submissive to government. It says, let every soul, how many souls? Every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Here it is, guys. There is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God <laughs> I know some of you are thinking man God truly has a sense of humor here doesn't he <laughs> holy smokes it's amazing to think this is I mean this is scripture guys therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for, it is, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Because when we are submitting to the governing authorities around us, who are we really submitting to? There it is. And so I have a clear conscience before God when I am submitting and being submissive to those who have been placed in authority over my life here on, in California. Now, I'll be moving to, to Texas pretty soon, but no. <laughs> Texas don't even want Californians. Don't be coming to, Calif- to Texas no more. <laughs> it's crazy. So there, verse 6. Because of this, you, say it with me, guys. You also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Back with me to Titus. How are we doing so far, guys? <laughs> Be submissive. Be submissive. Remember, our submission is to God, so the line of reading says, if I don't submit, I'm not submitting to God. And of course, we know that we were not 
we are in trouble with a capital T with our Lord and Savior. So be submissive. Number two, though, he says to be obedient. New King James, I mean, King James Version says to obey magistrates. Ruler or superior is what that means. It means, of course, to obey the laws that are set forth by the governing authorities. To be law-abiding citizens as a witness. How are we doing so far with our driving, brothers? We'll get to that in a second. But, of course, we already learned that we're to pay the taxes, even if you think that they're all crooks. How many, how many have said that it hurt? We've all said that. They're crooks. They're raising the taxes again. Now, when Jesus said that, when he told Peter to go throw a line into the, the ocean there, pull the fish out, take the, the coin, and you know, who, who's rendering his honor? He wasn't saying that Caesar was good, you guys. But what he was saying was in line with what Paul is teaching, or actually Paul's in line with what Jesus is teaching, talking about the principle here. He was saying that we need to support the institutions that are ordained by God, set up by God, as bad as they can be, as wicked as they can be, as corrupt as they can be. Because think of what we're talking about. The time that we're reading was worse. Worse than it is now. Kind of like, worse? How could it get any worse? Yes, it was worse. Worse than it is now. And, and of course, again, going back to Romans 13.1, the authorities that are exist, they're appointed by God. I know that's like, ah, are you kidding me? Yep, God does have a sense of humor. So pay the taxes, but also, and I just throw in a few things out there. Drive, drive according to the speed limit. Not your speed limit. My wife is on me on this all the time about my driving. Because I make up my own rules. I drive my own way. I drive the way I want. I stop the way I want to stop. I, whatever. I do stop at, green, at red lights, though. I do. Just so you know. But, you know, we all roll the stop signs. We do this. Things that are the worst, though, is when, I mean, what is up with the left-hand turn, you know, against the red? I mean, it's just like, just because you're in line to turn left, no matter if the lights turn red, oh, I'm in line, I can still go. Now, is that anybody else's pet peeve out there? That's crazy, huh? I want to get out there with a sign saying, you just ran the red light. Come on. They just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. I don't do that. I roll the stop signs for sure, but I, I do not... I don't turn left against the red, because to me that just bothers me too much. So basically what, what he's saying, of course, is that we're to obey the rules. Follow the rules that are out there. Do what we are told to do, even if we don't agree with it. Even if we don't agree with it. And of course, I just threw this in here because it's such a shame, but to respect the police. Respect the police. Why? Scripture says they are God's ministers for good. And it is shameful as we know what is happening in our country. It's like anarchy is on the rise. Everybody's taking the law into their own hands. And they're being the, the judge, the jury, and the executioner in this whole situation with, with our police enforcement. Man. Now you see police officer, thank him for what he's doing. Man. It's a shame. But again, in all this, guys, we have to trust God. Because either he is in control, 
Either he is true to his word or he's not. If he is putting these people in power and in place, and guys, I'm talking to myself, I'm sure, more than I'm talking to you. Because this is just, this is for me, it's like, oh gosh, I mean, I can't say that about that. Shut up. Listen, Jesus, you're in control. Now, the only exception that, that we can make is when government tells me that I have to do something that violates my relationship with God. So you got to be careful with, well, wait, 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 no. But I, here's an example for me, right off the bat. Government tells me that I have to perform a homosexual wedding. Guess what? I ain't doing it. Pastor Jeff has said, we're not doing it at this church. He says he'll go to jail before he does something that violates our conviction and the truth of God's scripture. And we can go to Acts chapter 4, verse 18 through 20 and cite that. Because that's when Peter and John were there before the Sanhedrin, remember? And they're being brought in and they're saying, what are you guys doing talking about this Jesus? Didn't we tell you you're not supposed to do that? You keep that up, we're going to put you in jail. And what does Peter say? Hey, whether it is right to do what we're doing before God, you you judge. But we're not going to stop doing this. So I can cite that scripture. So it's something to think about. Will will that come up? Do, Do those things happen is there some way the government's going to force me and you? Very well could be coming real quick. Real quick, brothers. So, be obedient. Number two. Number three, though, be ready. He says here to be ready for every good work. And good works, of course, has been a theme in this book of Titus. And Titus, of course, was commanded by Paul to be a pattern of good works. And the things that he's talking about here, these are good works. These are works that are a result of salvation, a result of us giving God his due and not taking the grace of God in vain and saying, you know what, this is what God wants me to do. These are good works here, you guys, to do these things, to be ready for good works, but also speaks of actions and behavior. The actions, what we do or don't do, that being, of course, in line with God's word, and of course it speaks to desire to walk blameless, that, remember, that uh, an elder was supposed to be blameless and a bishop blameless before God. Of course, we're to live like a Daniel. But also, the behavior, how we treat others, how I behave towards others, my actions and my behavior, attitudes, good or bad. And our behavior, guys, has to be that which mirrors or reflects Jesus. Is this something that Jesus would do? And, of course, going back to even what was said in our video last week, you know, we know that we can't do these things on our own. And next week's study, we're going to talk about that which is the power that helps us to do these things. But still, I have a responsibility. My actions, my behavior, I've got to be ready. Ready for every good work. And it speaks of being sincerely willing to help out, to jump in, to be used of God in your neighborhood, in your workplaces, in your communities. Some way, some special way. Like in your neighborhood, you know, you see your, your neighbor struggling to put up the Christmas lights. Jump in there. Take in, how many of you guys take out your neighbor's trash cans? Isn't that weird? Everybody's like, oh, you get the trash cans this day, I get them, and everybody takes their own trash cans. How many of you guys take and pick up your, your neighbor's newspaper and put it on the doorstep? Phew, yeah, it happens. It happens. This is all, though, to be done as a witness because we are the Christians. And, and we're to be the example. In our church, you guys, you know this, we perform good works to the community. 
You know that we feed the law enforcement, the CHP and the Carson Sheriffs, every Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. We provide meals for those guys. And the fire departments down the street and over by um, uh, Victoria Park there. Those are good works. We, we, are, we, we allow the government agencies or whatever, we're, we're going to be, a, we're a polling place for the elections. They use the church. CHP wants a big room for training, whatever, even have a service here, memorial service. We open the door. And, of course, we feed and give money to those who are, are needy, those who come to the church. They need some help. Just examples. But we're, we should be the first in our area of influence to be those that are ready for good works. How can you show good works, you know, at, at your workplace? Bring them donuts every day. Get them all nice and chunky. <laughs> be ready for good works. Number four, though, be gracious, you guys. Be gracious. What does he say here? This, this is, it's, and read this with me, New King James Version, to speak evil of no one. Let's say you guys didn't do a very good job. Speak evil of no one. Let's let that set in for a second. Evil of no one. No one, you guys. Man. Means to malign, gossip, or slander. Anyone. Means to be hateful. No one. There's there's no clause in here. There's no qualifying statement. Well, you can do this if... That's a killer passage. This is, this is tough stuff for you guys. And we need the grace of God in order to be able to do this, to follow these things. Man, as Christian men, we need to be gracious, you guys. Where others are going to gossip and slam and talk about people at the workplace there, in the break room and all those things, uh-uh. Can't be named among us. Can't get caught up in that stuff. Talking about the, the other political party. Can't do it. And really, it's the opposite of what we saw in this whole impeachment trial. Crazy stuff going on in our government. I mean it. It's like, where did this come from? Look at where we're going, how, how low we can go. And think about our country, man. If our country took those four words there, five words, to speak evil of no one, how, how would this country change? How would the church change? Woo-hoo, there we go. Man. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Speak graciously. Speak properly. It speaks of proper words, the use of proper words. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace. Man, how many of you guys are like going, ouch, okay, hold on a minute. I am. It's like, it's true. Let your speech always be with grace. You're not a human if that's the way you act. Or, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouths, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace, grace. Verse 31 of Ephesians 4, Let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In this one here, Psalm 19, verse 14, just read this so good. Let the meditations of my heart and what? The words of my mouth be acceptable to my brothers. 
acceptable to the people I hang out with, acceptable to the guys down the docks. Nah, acceptable in his sight. So the meditations of my heart, that's kind of what we talk about as the thoughts, huh? I mean, most of us, we do pretty good on the outside, huh? But man, on the inside, sometimes the things that you and I are thinking about or thinking about what you're going to do to somebody else, man. Remember years ago, working in the grocery industry, I might have told this story before. There was a guy there. This is when uh, Alpha Beta and every, we merged in. There was all kinds of stores. We had Market Basket, Boys, and alphabet all together and I went to the I was promoted to the corporate headquarters and we had to work with these nice guys from the boys market and for alphabet guys alphabet was the marines boys was the cheesy army not that any army guys okay whatever but anyhow you follow what I'm saying we had no respect for the people from boys market put it this way but we had to work with them and there was this one guy that I was working with and I'll, I won't tell his name because I'm sure he's not here, but I'm going to tell you what. I was a newer Christian. I wasn't a brand new Christian. I was a newer Christian. And I got a, caught up in bashing him and his wife, who I didn't even know, to two other guys while we're having lunch, just talking trash, talking like. And, of course, the next day in devotions, guess who came knocking on my door? What well, now? the guy's name, Al. <laughs> it wasn't him. And I was so convicted. So heavy was the Lord's hand upon me. I had to go back and apologize to the two guys that I mouthed off to. And, of course, I had to go back to Al. He knew nothing of it. I said, man, I, I got to talk to you about something. Sure, he was a little older than me. Sure, what's up? What's up? Well, I just need to let you know, man, I... I gossiped and said some really bad things about you and your wife. He's like, <laughs> and I have to ask your forgiveness. I'm a Christian man, and what I said was absolutely wrong. And he was pretty floored, actually. Looked at me like, you are crazy as the people that are saying, because I had just gotten saved, you know, and the, there was the talk around the whole <coughs> company that, that I'd gone off the deep end because I was now a Christian. But man, was not gracious at all. And uh, man, the words, guys, speak evil of no one. So be gracious. Number five, be peaceable. Obviously what this means, uncontentious, friendly, peaceful, but also in, the, in some of the translations, there's no quarreling, no, no fist fighting. That's <laughs> something else. And of course, over on the island, that might have been kind of the thing that happened every now and then. Be peaceable. Remember, as recipients of grace, what do we do? We extend grace. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for what? For they shall be called sons of God or children of God. Meaning that as a peacemaker, as one who is representing Christ and as one who, who is being peaceable, that people w- will be, be called children of God because we are actually, we're imitating we're imitating, we're, we're resembling God. We'll be called sons of God. Romans twelve eighteen, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, of course, it isn't possible all the time. No matter how hard you try, 
no matter how hard you're working at it, there's still some people that are going to be like, you know what? But we're to be the peacemaker, not the troublemaker. Number six, gentle. Be gentle. Speaks of a temperament we would expect of Jesus. Amen? Gentle. Not, a, not brash, aggressive, overbearing. Someone who's got the rough edges chipped off, and the rough edges are being chipped off. Remember? This process of sanctification. You ain't what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. But thank God he's in the midst and he's working on your heart right now. You ain't that and you're not yet who you're going to be. It's a process. So we're to be gentle. And lastly, number seven, showing all humility to all men, be humble. Showing all humility to how many men? All men. It's another one. Man, means being considerate and courteous to all men. And, and of course, humility, it was the hallmark of Jesus. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, eight pages to the left. We know this passage of Scripture. But in light of how prideful we can be as a Christian man, as we see Jesus, there's just no room. There's no room for pride. Uh, in other words, a prideful Christian, get it? Prideful Christians, oxymoron. It should be that way in our hearts. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he was in the form of God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Here we go again with that word, obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. We all know that passage of Scripture. It's not nothing new. Man, when we look at what Jesus did and how he humbled himself, oh, my gosh. And three things, guys. Humility can only come one way. And that is when your pride is exposed. Your pride has to be exposed. And, and guys, God is the master exposer of our pride. Does he do a good job or what? I remember years ago, I've told this story before. I thought, you know, I'm going to learn a little about humility. So actually, I was going to read it to, to see how much I'm in line with the humble person. So I, I get out Andrew Murray's book, Humility. I'm going to start reading this book, and I'm just going to, yeah, 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 yeah. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Well, little did I know the trick in reading that book was you weren't going to learn anything about humility, so to speak. You were going to learn just how absolutely horrific your pride problem really is when you read this book. And of course, looking back, it's like, go read a book on patience and what's going to happen. Go read a book on humility and what you think is going to happen. I told the story before. I'm reading that book and it's just ripping me to shreds and, and God's just like, oh man. So I remember years ago, I am the 
assistant pastor, of course, of the church, right? So I go downstairs, and, and I'm walking through and talking, and, and one of our office managers, not one, it was office manager at the time, you know, I'm just walking through, and of course, I'm cool, whatever. Well, she, was, she had a, a way about her that I loved, but uh, could kind of like, hmm, sometimes. So I'm walking through, she's like, hey, hey, you, hey, you, come here, come here, hey, you, come here. And I'm like, and this is all going inside of my head. Hey, you, who are you? Who are you? Hey, here are you, hey, you, and two. And I remember I just had to stop, and I just, like, I put my head down, like, because in my mind I'm going, humility, humility, humility. Yes. Ba, 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 ba. She was clueless, didn't even get. I went upstairs in my office, I sat down, and I just, like, what was that all about, God? Come on. I mean, are you kidding me? Gee, man, me and this. See, on the outside, the Pharisee did pretty good. On the inside, oh, my gosh, I had every thought, and what, I'm going to fire this girl. I can't believe. So, pride has to be exposed. And remember, we're talking the sanctification process. That happened 15 years ago. Oh, I'm, I probably should be doing pretty good by now. Nah, nah, that's not how God. Nah. I shared this with the uh, guys in leadership because it's so. And of course, you're teaching a passage, and the passage says, showing all humility to all men. So, Saturday, me and my wife, we go to the movies. And, you know, nowadays, movies, you, you reserve your seats, right? So we're all ready, got our popcorn ready to go, and we get to our seats, and there's an elderly couple in our seats. And so, of course, me, you know, I said, oh, hey, excuse me, you're, you're in our seat. No, these are our seats. Uh, well, my phone's, our seats. And he, he didn't yell. I kind of raised my voice a little bit. He, he didn't yell, but it was like, there's no, there's no negotiating. There's no talking. Our seats. They're watching the previous. Like, like and oh, excuse me, our seats. So, I mean, we were literally stunned. kind of. So we go up, well, what are we going to do? We're going to be sitting in someone else's seats. And so, wow, I don't know. And so they're sitting right here where there's two seats open right next to them. So, well, let's just go sit there. And uh, so we kind of walk in through and and, and my wife kind of says, well, since you're in our seats, we'll take our seats, our seats. (laughs) And I just sat down. And I, I, I actually was able to still enjoy the movie. And so we finished the movie. We're leaving. And, of course, we kept running into him. And it was, oh, it was almost 80. The wife had a cane and everything. He's like, and yet, as I look at it, he knew exactly what he was doing. Because unless in, in the good part of me was like, well, there has to be a mistake. And the mistake is on their part because my phone says G1. There's no question. I can show it to you right now. G1. My wife's G2. And I'm thinking, everything now is computerized. So he, he took these seats. And basically, it was one of those things that, you know what? Until you go get the management, I'm not moving. 80-year-old dude. So we even walk into our car. Here they are coming. You know, and they, my wife says, just keep walking. and Just keep walking. It's okay. It's okay. okay. We made it. We good. 
So we get in the car, she goes, you know, you handled that pretty well. And I said, no, I did not handle that very well at all. On the outside, this Pharisee looked good. And if anybody of you guys were in the show, you would never even picked up on anything. But I'm going to tell you, speaking evil of no man, my thoughts. I'm not even tell you what my thoughts were. You can only imagine what my thoughts were while I'm sitting there, sitting right next to the old man's wife with her cane. And... And man, we got, I was talking to my wife. I says, we went for a walk. And I says, you know why that happened? I got to tell you why it happened. Here's the passage of scripture I'm teaching on, showing all humility to all men. God, again, humbled me. I was so humbled, you guys. I mean, I was just like, oh, man, Lord. Because my pride and everything would be like, and you can only imagine, because if that happens to you, man. So humility can only come one way. Your pride has to be expelled. Number two, why does God test us in pride and humility? Why does he do that? Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is prideful. The heart, the inner man. And before honor is humility. But also James 4, 8 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He, he tests us in this area, especially when we think of the fact that in our pride, pride comes before destruction, the fall. And God, number three, uses humiliation to protect us, you guys. To protect us from what he sees, our potential areas that could cause us to really stumble big time. Like falling into adultery. Or ruining your witness in front of your family or workplace, whatever. So these, these situations, I remember that situation with, with the lady in the front office. It was like, God just showed me. You need, to, you need to be humbled. You need to be kind of just reminded there. Because I know the future. And if you keep walking the way you're walking, disaster could come. And guys, that's what God, that's why we are challenged in this area of of pride and why we have to always take the humble road even as much that it's so hard to do it is such a hard thing to do guys because it's our flesh so application of course in this the only way that we're going to be able to follow any of these instructions really guys is if we humble ourselves am I going to be submit to authority am I going to obey authority Am I going to be ready? Am I going to be gracious? Am I going to be peaceable and gentle? Sure, if I humble myself. It all ends up with humility. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He'll lift you up over the situation. Number two, when you practice these Christ characteristics, guys, ultimately what we're talking about is that you are denying yourself. I mean, think about it. Just, just submitting to the governing authorities. You're denying yourself. You're denying your flesh. And when, you're do, when you do this, you are dying to self, you guys, which is all a good thing. And it's like when you look at the Old Testament, the, the burnt offering. 
And in the Old Testament, the phrase, a sweet-smelling aroma, a sweet aroma to the Lord 41 times in the Old Testament. That sweet aroma came from the, basically the barbecuing of the sacrifices that were there. And when we deny ourselves, when we humble ourselves, when we, when we walk in the ways of Christ, guys, it's, we have to throw ourselves on the altar. We've got to throw ourselves on that as a burnt offering. Because it's the only way it's going to work. You've got to die. You've got to let God burn up that flesh and just toast it. And when you do, when we do, when we do these things, when we follow what God's word says, when we do deny ourselves, when we do humble ourselves, what does God, what does God smell? Oh, man, that's some good ribeye right there, baby. Oh, man. Bob, oh, Bob humbled himself. Oh, pff, smelling so good. All of us. Sweet aroma. 2 Corinthians 4, just a great passage, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, being reminded that he died. He humbled himself. We do the same, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who are live are always being delivered to death, to this dying, to this burnt offering for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh, acting like Jesus. And lastly, what's the reason we do this for? Of course, because of the grace of God. Given to us through Jesus, this is in response to grace. This is how God wants us to act. This is what he wants us to do, these duties. He gave himself for us that we might have life. Now, those of you that are boxing fans out there today, what's, this, what's the special day today is? What's, what is so special about today in the boxing world? Anybody remember? Let me tell you. Albert, where are you? This is a little boxing thing. 30 years ago, February 11th, in Tokyo, who was fighting? Now you're getting it. Buster Douglas and Tyson. What were the odds that Buster Douglas was going to win that fight? 42 to 1 is what they finally calculated at. 42 to 1. Now, I was watching last night, 30, 30, 30, that, that show, 30 to 30, whatever. Anyhow, they just, I mean, of course, I don't remember the fight. You know, if I was in your seat, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. But just because I saw last night, what an amazing fight that was. That, they say that was the best heavyweight championship fight ever, ever, because of the odds, but also the way the fight played out. It was a brawl. And Douglas got knocked down in the eighth inning. Gets back up, and, and, and he actually got saved by the bell. Eighth, eighth, eighth round. He got saved by the bell. He did. They count him, they count him, they count him, he count him. He gets up on the last, and of course, they even, you know, were some things about the fact that they thought he was down one, one second past the, the count. But he gets up, he starts heading for Tyson. Ding, 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 because he would have been over with. It would have been over with. 
So he comes out, comes out the ninth inning, just, I mean, ninth round. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, strike two. And then, of course, the tenth round. And you see it. It was amazing. So he's, he, he wins. Tyson goes down, can't get up, just barely gets up. And you see him. I mean, this, he is just, he's in a whole other world. Somehow he manages to grab his mouthpiece, put it in his mouth, but he gets up and he just like, he's like that and he's like that, he's just like that, and he finally stands up and the referee's like, nope, grabs him. It's over. It's over. He was dinged. And you see that shot, that shot that comes to the jaw? Man, our heads would have been 100 yards away. So I say all this to say this. When they came up and they were interviewing Buster Douglas at the end, and they said, how did you win? Why did you win? And he says, because of my mom. True story. His mom had died 21 days before the fight. He won that fight because of his commitment to his mom. I did this for mom. And I say all this for us, that this, what we need to do, guys, we need to do this because of Jesus. We need to be able to say, you know what? I am dying to myself. I'm dying to my flesh. I'm humbling myself. I'm throwing myself out on the altar. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to submit to authority. I'm going to obey. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to speak evil to no one. I'm going to deny every ounce of my flesh because all that stuff is a, is a complete challenge. Next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But really, guys, we've got to do this for Jesus. Remember, you're not earning your salvation. This is in response to salvation. And what the world needs to see in me and you as Christian men, right now for me, is not what they're seeing right now. Because my wife hears about all this stuff. She says, you can't be saying that. I, can, I have my own opinion. I can say what I want. Speak evil of no one. <laughs> well, she's not going to know about this. I'm telling you that much. Because <laughs> I'm a changed man, baby. I'm zip it. <laughs> How you say, Bob? Zip it, lock it, put it in the pocket. Subjecting myself to rulers. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I don't care who's president. I don't care who's running the country. I don't care who's running the state. Whatever. Jesus, you're in charge. You put him there. All good by me. <laughs> hold me to it, amen. Let's stand, brothers. Let's pray. I'll hold you to it as well. Father, again, thank you for your word, Lord. Amazing two verses. And yet, God, we see how incredibly powerful your word is and the challenge that it is there for us. And we see, even in Jesus, man, Lord, that he was able to humble himself to take all the revilings, to take all the evil speaking against him, to take all that, and to be able to say from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, we desire to be more like Jesus. We know that we never will be. We know that we will always be imperfect. But Lord, our heart's desire is because of what you did for us, for the sacrifice for us, how you humbled yourself as an example. Lord, help us, God, we pray. Thank you, Lord, that when we mess up, when we don't follow any of these things, Lord, there's grace. Grace, grace, grace. Thank you so much for that. But, Lord, we know that 
there is power in grace as well. So give us that strength that we pray. Bless these men in their groups, their group time as they um, talk and discuss and confess and even laugh, Lord, even about some of the stuff that we say and do and how we act, Lord, and our thoughts. But Lord, again, uh, when it's all said and done, Lord, help us in this process of sanctification that we would represent you in a manner and a way that brings glory to your name and people would be attracted, even as your word says, they'd be attracted to you because of it. So bless we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.